Hi, sir. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Uh, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Thanks. Firstly, thank you very much for accepting my invitation and accepting to be on my show. You're welcome. I've gone through your profile and I came to know that uh, you work in eSports for a long time. So I yep. thought to tell about you and your work to my audience and uh, to the world who's following me and who is uh, watching this conversation uh, from anywhere on this planet. Sure. So can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is uh, Fazil Garibu and um, I work as a software development director at EA Sports in uh, Orlando, Florida. I've been here for about 16 years and uh, currently what I do is I run a small team that does, uh, we call it continuous integration and what it means is as the game teams are developing the game, so that's both the programmers, the artists and the designers, they are typically changing um, source code files for programmers, uh, art files for the artists, and various digital files for the designers. Uh, as they are changing all these files, we have a system that will detect whenever a change has been submitted to our central repository. And as soon as it's been submitted, it triggers a, build, a new build of the game. And so it builds the game, and then once the game has been built, we have a separate automated system that will detect that there is a new build or it's triggered by the other system to say, hey, there's a new build. And it, it grabs that build, copies it to a console, a PS5 or an Xbox, and then it automatically runs a test on that game. So it pretends it's a, um, it's a, it's a user, it pretends it's a user and it pretends it's playing the game. And what we do with there is we run through the critical path of the game. So if it's, for example, FIFA, and I'm not exactly familiar with how we test FIFA because it's done in Vancouver, but I imagine for FIFA is going to select Manchester United because that's the best team there is. Uh, I am not biased at all. And then it's going to select the other team, Liverpool. And then Manchester United is going to beat Liverpool. And then we exit the game. And then everyone is happy except the Liverpool supporters. And um, so effectively, it's just going through a test of the game and making sure that what most users would do when playing the game uh, is still functional and typically what we all the only thing that we can test for is whether the game crashes or not we cannot test whether the player looks like they should be we cannot test whether the animation is how it should be so we can't test all that visual type of stuff we can't test whether the game is fun to play because we haven't reached that level of testing yet. So all that we do is what we call objective testing, which is does the game crash or is it still running? It's, it's, it's an important part of testing because as you can imagine, eventually, yes, we do need to have a, a human being, ideally a Manchester United supporter, but maybe a Liverpool supporter to test the game and play it and try it and then say, OK, it's good or it's not good. So you need a human being at the end. But imagine if you have a team of testers and every time they get the build of the game, so they get told, OK, there is a build of the game here. Go copy it from this location. So they copy the game. You know, however, 30 minutes later, the game is on their console. Then they fire it up. And as soon as they fire it up, the game crashes. Well, you wasted all of their time. So that's why we have this automated system. Uh, computers are good at doing simple things over and over again. So as you know, and so we, uh, we, we build a system so that the, uh, the, computer, the computer system can test automatically. Yes, the game works. No, the game doesn't work. 
And if the game doesn't work, that's really important information for the leadership of the game team because they need to know as soon as possible that the game is broken. I mean, kind of broken completely. Like people can't get into the game or a really important part of the game is broken because as anyone who knows about software, the earlier you know that something is broken, the easier it is to fix it. The longer you wait, it, it becomes exponentially more expensive. It's not linearly more expensive. It's exponentially more expensive. So it is really important to find out as soon as possible that something is broken so that they can fix it cheaply. And for those who are not into software, I mean, the really simple thing is, let's say one software engineer made a change, checked it into the central repository, didn't do enough testing to make sure that it didn't break anything. And then, of course, it breaks something. And that software engineer, typically it's a he. He believes he's done his job. And he believes he's done a great job. And he's congratulating himself. Oh, yeah, good job. And he's moved on to something else because he's great. He's perfect. And so he's moved on to what, like, Another project, let's say he's moved on to his next task. And let's say it takes us, it takes the game team five days to find the problem. Well, five days later, this perfect software engineer can't remember what he did. In fact, they don't they probably don't even know who it was who checked in this thing. They have to they have to look through maybe a thousand changes to try and figure out who it was that broke the game. Well, in, in this system and in, in continuous integration in general, the principle is you build it as often as possible. Ideally, every change list you build and every change list you, you test, because then you know which change list broke the game. We haven't reached that level yet, so but it's still fairly easy to for someone to go look into the source code repository, see how many changes have been checked in, Typically, it's less than 10 because we, we build continuously. And then someone can make an educated guess as to who made the breaking, broke, breaking change. And then they can go and have a conversation with that person. If they can't find that person, they can revert the change so that they can fix the game and people are still able to work. So uh, another thing I would say is that this type of testing is called smoke testing. And for people who are not familiar with that term, it comes from the electronics industry. And in the electronics industry, typically the first test you do, if you've made something that plugs into normal power, is you plug it in. And if smoke comes out, guess what? It's not good. <laughs> so that's what that's why we use the term smoke testing. And sorry, did I answer your question? Yeah, I got your answer. So in this 10 plus of uh, years of experience of yours, is there any particular experiences of yours that you felt like, oh my God? Um, I would say, <clears throat> that's a great question. And I would say the, the first thing I would say is that when someone tells you they've got, I don't know, 30 years of experience, don't immediately think that they are 30 times better than you are if you don't have any experience. Because that person could have repeatedly done the same thing over and over again, 30 times, and hasn't learned anything. And so that 30 years of experience doesn't mean anything. So the thing that you have to, to work out is, if you're trying to judge the person, or if you're trying to decide whether that person is, is better than you, if that's what you're looking for, you have to figure out whether that person has been learning throughout those 30 years. And guess what? It doesn't take a year to learn something. It usually takes less than that. In fact, it can take a second for you to learn something. So it's much more important for you to learn how to learn. That's the most important skill there is. And in fact, if you can learn how to learn and you practice it every second, 
within a month, you're going to be better than the person who's got 30 years of experience and hasn't learned anything. So I would say the most important thing that I have learned is that it's important to learn how to learn. In fact, my son came to me this morning and he was he was uh, he was frustrated because he wasn't getting good marks in science. And so he Googled how to study and he found out, OK, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. And uh, so this is about kind of studying, but studying to remember studying for school. I think what you are asking about is experience that will help you become a more useful human being over time. And um, I would say there's there's a lot of things, but I would say um, not focusing on promotion and position and recognition. So don't focus on the external things. Focus on the internal things. They say people sometimes, I mean, we all do it. We all go, hey, this person, blah, blah, blah. And people say, you know, when you do that, one finger is pointing at that person. Three fingers are pointing at you. But you don't, you don't realize it, you know? And so um, I think that part of our personality where we are quick to blame somebody else, actually there's a hidden, there's a hidden wisdom in it. And the hidden wisdom is that it's almost like life is telling you, you idiot, I'm showing you some, I'm showing you something that you do in somebody else. Pay attention. So every time I, well, sometimes when I see something bad about the person, I try to think, do I have this? How can I be sure I don't have this? How can I be sure I never do this? Because I can see it in that person and I don't like it. And I think it's wrong or I think it's bad. So I think if you focus on yourself more and don't pay attention to promotions, don't pay attention to what people think about you. Um, so, um, and it doesn't mean though that if someone says something to you, if someone gives you feedback, particularly in a work environment or someone who is a friend or someone who is a family, if they give you something, if they tell you, hey, Fazil, like blah, 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 and, and it's a criticism. Um, the best way I have found to deal with those is to make sure, first of all, that you understand what they're saying. And one good way of doing that is to try and repeat what they said in their own words. So you would go, okay, Saicharan, you are telling me that blah, 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 in my own words. Is that right? And then hopefully they say yes or no, it's blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing that's important. And then if I decide that this is something that may be valid, then I would go and ask somebody else, hey, someone told me this about me. Do you think that's true? But be very careful. When you ask people, especially people who are your friends, who know you, most people will tell you, oh, no, that's not true. You're fine. Because most people like to be nice. They don't like to criticize. Most people. But I am sure you, like me, we know people who are frank. In fact, some people call them brutal. Like they don't have any filters. They will tell you the way it is. Go ask these people because they will tell you the way it is. And so you need to find, you need to have people in your life who will always tell you the truth and will not sugarcoat it. And these people are very useful because they will tell you the truth. And so I would say as a summary, to your question about experience, I would say first thing is don't be fooled by experience. It may not mean anything. Um, and I would say for yourself personally, if you could learn how to learn and practice it every day, 
that's the best thing. And learning how to learn, and I've sent you that, um, I've sent you the links to that site, and maybe you could share it with your um, audience. There is a protocol on live in greatness, which is called the perfection protocol. And you could use the perfection protocol to help yourself get better. And this is how you would do it. And I would explain it as a as a loop in code. Okay. So the loop is for whatever time period. So it could be for every day, for every week, for every month, for every year, but ideally for every day. I would say every day. First thing you do is you go, how did my day go last? How would my last day go? It's like a retrospective on your last day. And then you go, okay, this was good, this was good, this wasn't so good, I'm not sure about this one, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you play the perfection game on your day. The perfection game is like this. You look at something and you give it a score of one to 10. But if you can't think of any way to improve it, you have to give it a score of 10. So you may not like it, you may hate it, but if you can't think of any way to improve it, it's a 10. So you play the perfection game on your day, and the idea is that it biases towards action. A lot of people will criticize you, but they don't have any better ideas. So for me, you know, that's useless. You know, go, you know, I would like to swear, but I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your channel. So I would say, you know, go, go lose yourself. That's a waste of my time. Why are you criticizing me? Tell me something that I can do to get better or get lost. And I'm not like that every, every day. I'm usually calm. Anyway, so um, I would say the, the idea behind the perfection game is then you can look at your, your previous day and you yourself, you can improve on your previous day. And if you do that every day, well, I mean, there's only way, one way this can go, right? This only, only can get better and go further. So um, I would say those, this, this would be my advice is, and then the last one I would say is, if you can, join an organization called Toastmasters. Toastmasters is an international organization, and I am sure there is one close to you, but hey, Everything is virtual now, so you can join from your desktop anywhere. And uh, it teaches you two things. It teaches you communication and it teaches you leadership. And both of those qualities are critical in any job that you do. So this is not like learning Java or um, learning how to solder. These two things are very specific skill sets that are only useful in certain jobs. Communication, leadership are critical in any job. So you can't go wrong and it's cheap. It's, I don't know, I don't know what the, the rate is, but it's pretty cheap to, to join a club. So I would encourage anyone who wants to get better, join a Toastmasters club. And even if you're afraid the first meeting, even if you um, just, just keep at it. I've been a member of Toastmasters for, 12 years now and um, I'm still there and I, I still think you can always get better at communicating you can always get better at leadership hopefully I've answered your question yeah yes sir, I got your answer so in this in this long uh, long experience of yours uh, tell me about uh, the way you uh, was thinking in different times uh, especially in the time where uh, the situation is completely out of control? The, the way I think about things is, yes, there are a lot of things that are outside my control. And sometimes I wonder whether the things that should be under my control are really under my control or not if you know what I mean. But in any case, I always think the best thing that I can do is to get better and to always 
be producing something and to always be helpful. And that's the way <clears throat> I think it's, um, it's it's the way I pay my rent for being on this earth. And that's the way I look at it. And what other people decide what happens is what happens and is beyond my control. And whatever happens, whether I am um, I lose my job or something bad happens to me, I don't look at it as something bad. I look at it as something happened. What am I going to do? It's almost like a poker game. Someone goes, okay, I raise you know a huge amount. So the question is, what am I going to do? Am I going to bail out and leave and you know leave my trousers there? Or am I going to go, yeah, you're on, let's do it. That's how I look at it. And uh, I'll share a story with you. My first job, I was at, I was at that place for five years. And then one Friday, I felt something was odd. My boss, she was dressed all in black. And she had this really um, bad uh, expression on her face. And that, that Friday, one third of the company was let go. And, you know, me included. <laughs> and I didn't take it bad. I mean, I, I thought about it and I, as the guy was telling me, hey, I'm, you know, I'm letting you go. He said something that was very strange. He said, Fazil, you're going to thank me for letting you go. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's a stupid thing to say. Come on, man. You're letting me go. You're, I'm losing my job and I'm going to thank you. What are you talking about? Sure enough, three weeks later, I thanked him because I got a better job. I got more pay and uh, I thanked him. In fact, I got three job offers within the three weeks. So uh, sometimes you, you look at something and you think it's bad, but you can't think of anything. How you think about something influences what you do about it. And I'm sure you've heard of the term, the glass half full thing. So some people, they will go, no, the glass is half empty. And other people will go, no, the glass is half full. And I'm always a, the glass is full, dude. What you talking about? <laughs> because that's, I think, that's better for me because I'm going to react better if I look at it this way. So emotion and logic. How you balance it? <clears throat> emotion and logic. I think I'm much more an emotional person in the sense that I I do things based on gut instinct much more than I do things based on thinking, uh, long-term strategy. I'm much more of a I I operate better in a tactical situation than in a strategic situation. So I think uh, when time is of the essence, it's useful to be able to react based on your instincts because your instincts are always faster than you step back, you think about it. Um, so I would say I don't balance that very well. I, I go on. I go on emotions more than I go on logic. And I'm still alive, so I guess I guess it's okay. So uh, what makes you, uh, every day, what makes you wake up in the morning and do a lot of things? What, what motivates you? What drives you? Uh, <clears throat> that's a great question. What I have discovered, is this is a weird thing. What I have discovered is if I wake up late, then my day is kind of messed up. I don't have a lot of energy. I I don't do a lot of things. But if I wake up early, and typically if I wake up when 
when I wake up. And what I mean by that is sometimes you're sleeping and then you wake up and then you go, oh, it's too early. Let me go back to bed or et cetera, et cetera. But if I wake up when I wake up and assuming it's a, it's a, no, it's a reasonable time, you know, it's not one o'clock in the morning. It's more like maybe five o'clock in the morning. If I wake up at that time and I, I have a routine, I usually drink some warm water with honey. Then I do some exercise, just some stretching. Then I, I do some meditation, not much, less than five minutes. Then, and I think I told you, I shared this with you before. I do my gratitude exercise. So I say what I'm grateful for because I think the more you express gratitude for what you have, the happier you will be. And if you believe in God, if you're grateful to God, God will give you more. It's a natural thing. And um, in fact, you don't even need to ask for more. All you need to say is thank you. And God will go, yeah, bring it. Get some more. <laughs> Here's some more. So I do that. And uh, I do. I walk outside. I walk outside uh, for about 20 minutes. Uh, I think having sunlight and having fresh air is really good. Plus also connecting with the neighborhood, you know, saying hi to people, waving at people. I think connection is really important. Uh, and <clears throat> when I do that, yes, sometimes if I wake up early during the day, I feel sleepy. So what I do is I do this thing called a catnap. And if you've never done a catnap before, I encourage you to go talk to some cats in your neighborhood and, you know, get the lowdown and figure it out. But my technique is I will eat. So I will eat a, not a very heavy meal, but I will eat a fairly heavy meal because I find that when I eat something heavy, I feel sleepy. So I eat something and then <clears throat> I, will, I will go sit down like a lounge chair, but I will go on my bed. I will put some pillows. So I won't lie flat. I will kind of sit sit in the bed. And then I have this um, noise-canceling headphone. So I put the noise-canceling headphone on, and then I put the waves, like an ocean wave sound on my phone. So I can hear the ocean waves. And then I do this meditation, which is where you uh, you do deep breathing. And then you try and just think of the breathing. You just think of the air coming in and the air leaving. And you try and slow down your breath so that you count to four when you breathe in. You hold it for four and then you release it. I find that sometimes I can just sleep for 15 minutes, sometimes for seven minutes, and I'm refreshed. And so <clears throat> those are the days where I am just killing it. And then the other thing is, have a list of things that you want to do. And some people recommend you do it the night before. I usually do it on the day. I have a Google sheet where I put, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this today. And then all I do is I just go to that list, grab the first one, do it. But take breaks. Um, they have this thing called the Pomodoro. I don't know if you've heard of it. So Pomodoro is an Italian word for tomato. And I think it's because of a like a tomato timer and the timer is just 20 minutes. And so what they said was human beings can only focus for 20 minutes. So I, I put it on and when it rings for 20 minutes, after 20 minutes, I take a break. I find that stretching really helps. So if you just stretch for three minutes, it, it helps you a, a great deal. And also, of course, drinking something, sipping something, uh, whether it's green tea, I mean, something good, right? Not uh, I don't know, not whiskey or something, but green tea or just water is, is really good. So it's a combination of your body and your mind. And I think your body has to be in a good state for your mind and your spirit to also be all in a good state. I think uh, you're not only uh, into tech side, you're also into the the body and the spirituality and uh, i think more yeah. uh, uh, more into the the other than what you are doing now 
I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can I say that is that is the major reason why you are doing very well in the in your in your profession? I don't know. I don't know. So you are you are watching software. You know software. Uh, you know world before software. And uh, what is what is what will be the world after software? Um, I think the world will always have software because I think we are running software in our brains right now. I mean, it's not the software that people are familiar with, but if you know software, you will know, you will recognize that we are running software in our brain and it's all kinds of software. There might be some kinds of software in our brain that we don't, we are not familiar with yet, but it's software. And <clears throat> for example, when you're doing something that you do every day, you're not conscious of it anymore. You're just doing it automatically. That's software. It's running a, you know, it's running a program somewhere on a CPU that you're not even aware of. That's software. And in fact, uh, I don't know if you if you're aware of this, but Jim McCarthy wrote a book called software for your head and it's it's like an upgrade for the software that you run in your brain in fact it's little plugins that you can add to the software that's running in your brain and he calls the plugins protocols i find them really useful and uh, so i think there will always be software in the world but i think the challenge is how do we improve the software that we run in our heads? And not how do we make it worse? Unfortunately, the world these days, we are seeing a lot of people encouraging, um, I don't know, I don't know what's the right word, but I guess encouraging other people or, or, or or leading, actually leading other people to go run the wrong software. I mean, why would you run DOS on you, in, your, in your brain right now when you have Windows, you have Mac OS, you have even Linux, which is beautiful. Why would you run DOS? Or why would you run CPM even worse? But some people are doing that. In the US, we have some guy saying to his followers, CPM, that's good stuff. In your country, in India, you have the same thing. In many other countries in the world, we have these people who tell their followers, CPM is the, I don't know if I can say the, say the word, is the shit, run it. Well, it is the shit. They're telling their followers to run rubbish. And that's our, our challenge. And, um, I like what Jim says about this, though. What Jim says is, um, if you and I, if you and I tolerate this kind of behavior, if you and I tolerate this kind of behavior, that means we are insisting upon it. That means we are also participating in it. That means we are also responsible for it. So I have to remind myself that I am part of the problem. In fact, I may be the problem because I am not fighting against it. I am not explaining to more people that CPM is dead, dudes, why are you doing this? <laughs> In fact, you keep doing this, you're gonna be dead soon. And the tragedy is in the US, there's a lot of people who are dying because of this rubbish. So, um, um, yeah, we started off about software and <clears throat> I think, so I think the challenge is finding the best software for each use case and then Let's all run the best software. 
Why are we running outdated software? Why are we running software that has thousands of bugs in it that crashes every now and again? Let's get rid of all that software. Let's obliterate it. Let's delete it and then format the hard drive. You know, or even chop chop the hard drive. Make sure it never comes back again. <laughs> and so, um, but, but one thing that I would say is that I think one of our challenges when when dealing with bad software is um, <clears throat> in the software world, um, thankfully, we have this concept of a code review. I don't know if you're familiar with code review. So code review is when someone writes a piece of software, before they check it in, they go ask a bunch of their colleagues to go, hey, would you, can you code review this for me? And the review is just everyone reads through the code, have some questions and maybe some improvements. And so I wish there was a code review for software for our brain. When someone goes, hey, I have this idea. Let's drink bleach to kill COVID. I think it's a good idea. What do you guys think? And then hopefully people will tell him that's a really bad idea because that's a sure way to die, you know? <laughs> but I wish everyone, when they come up with new ideas, they would actually ask for a, a peer review of the idea before they go run off with it. Uh, but, but more seriously, one of the challenges that we have, I think, is for people who, who are running bad software, you can't go to them and say, hey, you're running bad software. I need to go review this. I think the best way to do this is to have a conversation with them and to actually listen to them. And listening is a really tough skill because most people, when they have a conversation, as the person is saying something, they are thinking about an answer or something they want to say. They're not really listening. So the way to listen is to actually listen. So you say something, I will summarize what you said, and I will ask you, hey, is that what you said? And then we keep going, and then we swap. And then I will say my stuff, and then you will summarize what I said. And then you will ask me whether, hey, is that what you said? So that's the way you have a conversation where you can guarantee that each person is actually listening. So yeah, software is going to be here. So, so anything which can, uh, any any anything which is physical thing, anything which is hardware, you you say that there there, there is a chance for 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 software. I'm sorry, say that again. So every every software needs uh, hardware. Yes. So, like you said, uh, with your philosophical, spiritual, and uh, uh, the 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 fictional way, uh, the the uh, by listening to your explanation, uh, yeah. my question I want to mix uh, the the tech and non-tech, uh, okay, and uh, want to bring some something out of this. So anything anything which is physical thing contains software. So that's what you said. So can, can uh, so there are a lot of things which are revolving, which cannot uh, revolving uh, around us, which are very minute things which we cannot see with our naked eye. Or people say that. So can we say that as a human beings, we there, there are a lot of softwares which are running around us, which, which we cannot connect with and which we cannot detect. And yes, which, yes, yes, I think so. In fact, I think they, they the, the biologists or nutritionists or whatever, they have found that the human body, the majority of it by weight, I think, is bacteria. There's bacteria in our guts. There's even bacteria in our brain. And these bacteria, they are not us. They are a separate organism. And they have, I am assuming, they have DNA, and DNA is code. So they're running their own code. And um, all around us, there are bacteria, there are viruses. Virus, a virus, I think, is pure code. 
because it's I think it's RNA or something like that. So it's not even a lie. It's 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 code that doesn't have hardware. <laughs> That's what a virus is. And it's looking for hardware. That's what COVID is. It's code flying around looking for hardware. And then it finds you because you didn't, I don't know, you're not protected or you're too close to that person, et cetera, et cetera. Or <clears throat> maybe you didn't take the vaccine and you breathe it in and it goes, yes, hardware. And so it, it injects itself into your cells and it hijacks your cell's replication mechanism to replicate copies of itself. So this is, the virus is, is just like an amazing piece of code. I mean, could you write a piece of code like that? I don't think we can. I don't think, I, I know I can't write a piece of code that I can just blow up in the air and then it's gonna find a piece of hardware somewhere. It's gonna install itself and then it's gonna replicate itself. I mean, that's like a super, it's like a super computer virus. So, you you know you know the development of a software, yeah. and uh, what what and uh, based upon the communication, uh, based upon the user experience, how people are connecting with it, how people are disconnecting with it, what is making uh, uh, people unconnect and disconnect with that invisible thing, which is created by visible thing, which is hardware. Yeah, I I think what you are asking is if almost human compute human computer interaction. Yes. Or user interface. And I really like there is a book called, I think it's called Rocket Science, Rocket Testing or something like that. But <clears throat> so if I step back a little bit, I think a lot of computer software has very bad user interface. And bad user interface is what makes people upset, annoyed about computers. It's bad user interface. Now, bad user interface doesn't necessarily mean just the buttons, the color of the buttons, the shape of the buttons, the placement of the buttons. It also means responsiveness. If you click on a button, and nothing happens for five minutes, I mean, I'm going to throw this thing away. So there needs to be responsiveness built into the system. Maybe when you click on the button, you hear click. And then maybe you see, you know, if the thing is going to take a while, you see like a progress bar so that you know something is happening. But unfortunately, a lot of software doesn't have it. And it's very frustrating. So I think the, the book that I mentioned to you, I think it's called Rocket Testing, but I can look into it later. It has a really simple way to make sure that whatever you build is actually good, has good user interface. And the idea is this. First, you identify your users. And ideally, you get as many different types of you, typical users as possible. Then, you put them, you put the user in a room in front of the software. Then you have someone next to them who doesn't teach them how to do it. That person is just there as a facilitator, but they're not going to tell them what to do. And then you have cameras that record everything that the user is doing and sends it to another room where all the developers are sitting. So the developers should see how the user is using their software. And the second the user goes, I don't know what I'm doing here, or I'm not sure what's happening here. Can you tell me what I need to do next? <coughs> that means user interface is bad. If you need to fix something. The problem is that a lot of the times, some software engineers, they will go, they will say things like, I don't understand why they don't get it. It's right there. Why don't they click on the button? So they're blaming the user for not understanding how to use the software. And it's it's an example of this again. You know, when we point at somebody else 
there's one finger pointing at that person, there's three fingers pointing at us. So again, in that case, software engineer is blaming the user, but it's actually the software engineer's fault or the user interface designer's fault. It's, it's our fault for designing bad user interface. It's not the user's fault. Guess what? When a user approaches a tree, uh, a mango tree, you have mango trees in India, right? When a user approaches a mango tree, first thing he, he asks is not, where's the user manual? No, he looks at the tree, he sees a mango, one is green, he sees a mango, one is red. Guess what? That's user interface, use of colors to indicate the status of the object. And he goes, I'm going to get the red mango. And he doesn't need whoever created the mango tree to help him. He just goes and picks the mango. So that's the example. Nature has given us examples of great user interface. We just need to use it. So a spiritual side of yours, you said you are also an emotional person. So I'm sure in your in your in your in your life experience, you might have seen a lot of uh, UIs uh, of different websites, different apps. So can I say a good communicator, a, a, a human being who can communicate and connect with any human being on this planet can able to create a user interface can create a software, can create a front-end uh, side yes. of uh, the software, uh, yeah. which will be which will be useful and uh, which will be uh, user-friendly, which will be, like you mentioned, which will yes. take less processing time and yes. which will be more uh, uh, responsive. So can I, yes. can I say this? Yeah, I think you can. And But the other thing that you need to understand is that Unfortunately, for whatever reason, a lot of people think that creating a user interface should be easy because you're just drawing boxes and putting text. And that's probably what contributes to the problem. We don't invest as much in the user interface as the database or you know, other components of the software. We should actually invest the most in the user interface because guess what? If they can't use it, what was the point of creating all this other stuff? All this other stuff is wasted. So the most that you should invest in is the user interface so that the user can actually use your damn thing, not creating this Oh, we've got a relational database that does block terabytes a second. It's useless. People can't use it. So um, I, I think that's that's the biggest problem is a lot of people underestimate the amount of effort that's required to create good user interface. One of the things that you will discover in life is that when you see someone doing something amazing, and it looks really easy. Be very careful because that person has probably spent 30 years figuring out how to do this thing. So if you think you're going to be able to do this thing very easily, you're wrong. You're definitely wrong. Anyone who is doing something great and makes it look easy it's a trap if you think you're going to be able to do the same thing. So I have a lot of questions, sir, but uh, the time that you gave me uh, uh, has came to an end. So, so thank you very much for giving me uh, your valuable time and giving answers to a lot of questions. At the same time, telling something that works for uh, uh, all the software uh, uh, developers, not only software developers, uh, uh, you motivated even the non-technical people who are into other fields also, who, are, who can be a police officer or doctor or engineer or, or any 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 profession. I'm sure your words will create uh, effect on, on their thinking process and at least uh, one person changes and uh, uh, their thinking and uh, uses uh, yep. their uh, uh, energies, physical, mental energies or material energies of the 
for the development of the world uh, for the positive to create positive energy on the on this planet it will be beneficial and uh, and uh, thanks for being the reason for change uh, change in thinking of a person who is going to change after listening to you now well thank you for creating the program and running it and spending your time and effort and energy in it and uh, namaste so at last do you have any any anything that you want to say in one line that works for everybody um sure and and this is again from jim <clears throat> um you can run this program every day and your your life is going to be better so here's the program ask yourself how do you feel if you don't feel great ask yourself what do you need to do to feel great do it that's it that's the loop wow <laughs> so uh, at last uh, what do you say about uh, my videos on youtube have you seen any videos of mine yes it's great and uh, you have a, a big collection so you've been doing this for a while and i encourage uh, all of your viewers if they've only seen this one please watch the other ones because you um create great connection with your interviewees you have great questions and uh, the fact that you've done so many i think it's uh, it's impressive so thank you thank you fazil keep keep doing what you love and i'm sure uh, because of your contribution this this planet is going to uh, benefit a lot uh, even in coming days so thank can you. i put this video on my youtube channel with your sure. permission Sure. and also can i put this video and audio clip on my podcast website internet sure. Uh, sure. social media everywhere with your permission sure thank you sir thank you okay thank you yeah have a great bye. day bye. you too